Okay, hey, if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. We are in a series right now called Beyond Ordinary. Three weeks into this, and it's basically just a discipleship series is what we're, what we're doing. And uh, we got the title um, from Ordinary Time. So, Ordinary Time on the church calendar is between Pentecost and Advent. And so, on the church calendar, that whole time is called ordinary time, but it's not really ordinary. It's like, um, you know, it's, it's a time where we're preparing for the coming of Jesus. It's a time to prepare ourselves as disciples of Christ. So that's what's happening on the church calendar. And uh, that's what's happening in this, in this series uh, here. So on the first week, we talked about uh, Jesus and the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And can anybody remember what we talked about? We talked about a specific application of discipleship is, has to do with what? <laughs> Finances. <laughs> one, oh yeah, one person knew. You know, it's amazing how fast a sermon can fly away. <laughs> uh, but finances, because finances put our feet on the ground. We can be in our heads and stuff, but our finances tell where our heart is going. Does that make sense? So it's a discipleship thing that we learn to be generous uh, givers. Then last week we talked about the importance of discipleship in community and life together. So uh, one of the ideas we hit was that we learn best when we're together. Not just an individual Christian who got saved, he's going to heaven, zoop, and he's out of here, you know, but together we learn best. And so we learn in community that we're one, but we don't lose our own personal identity. It's a big deal. That's being like God. Three, one, oneness without losing distinction. So uh, we also learned that the church is now and not yet. Like the kingdom of God, we haven't fully arrived, and so that means we can't expect perfection from one another, and we give grace to one another, right? Isn't that great? Great news? We're just like, woo, excited about that, right? And so then the last piece last week was uh, that we need to hear God and then share that love with others. Shema Israel. You know, listen and then love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So this week, I want to connect these dots right here. I want to connect the discipleship thing, disciples, the church, and the mission now. We're connecting disciples, the church, and the mission. And so uh, I'll say more about that as we go. But uh, one of the things, we want to be reaching people in our neighborhoods, just like the, the verse said that I meant to read earlier <laughs> and forgot to. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus says, but you will be my witnesses, and uh, excuse me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so there is this, there's something Jesus call, is calling us to that is an expanding, it's like starting where you're at, so this is kind of like Jerusalem, for us, for them, they say, you're going to start here and then expand outward, okay? So even our, we have a mission arm of the church and it's got some code built into it. You, if you're an insider, you might know this. It's called Share Life Now International is our mission arm. And so we, you know, it's people we raise up to go plant churches in different places, but SHARE stands for start here and reproduce everywhere, but you didn't know that, right? Uh, life-giving, image-bearing fellowships for eternity. There's the life part. Share life. 
I thought that was cool. I spent a lot of time praying to get those, those things. <laughs> it's a long time ago. But, uh, but, you know, the deal is we really do. We want to start right here in Fort Worth and reach out to this region, the state, the nation, and the nations. And one of the things we've done as a movement this year is the thing called Engage the Crisis. And so we've been, we had 10 stations all along the way, along the Syrian refugee route. And we were, as a movement, as Antioch, we were uh, reaching out to refugees. In fact, the almost, of the almost 30 churches that represent the U.S. churches for Antioch, 100% were involved in sending people over there. Isn't that exciting? So everybody was in. It brought us together in like a cool way as a, as a movement. And uh, we had a kind of a church expert who knows these kind of things tell us that of the 3,500 evangelical Christians who went to do something with the, the, the Syrian refugee crisis, 3,500 went this past summer, this, this summer, and over 2,000 of those were from Antioch. So that's, that's kind of the, the impact that we've been able to have. And there is power in our testimony. And so one of the things that happens is I want everybody in the church to be able to... We had some people prayed for people. Some people gave and supported people. Other people actually went. And so we want to hear a testimony so that it will bring us all in to go, yeah, that's us. We got to participate in this thing. So y'all give it up for a Aiden Yamada. One of our college leaders is going to share a little bit. Go for it. Hey, everyone. What's up? CF College. Go Frogs. And y'all can be uh, partnering us this year with praying for TCU football. We're expecting some big things. So. Go Frogs. Uh, there you go. Um, but, yeah, um, thank you. First of all, I just got to thank you guys so much just for uh, praying for us, supporting us financially. Um, one thing we really did learn while we were out there is that we really were, like, riding this wave um, of prayer and this wave of intercession from you guys. Um, so we are just so thankful. We are just walking to a move of God, and moves of God don't happen without um, people lifting us up. So we're th from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I just want to talk about two parts uh, uh, that happened in Greece, in northern Greece, um, this summer. Just kind of the things that happened on the outward, um, like on the evangelical side, and something that happened for me inwardly. Um, so we were in northern Greece. I was in northern Greece for two months. Some of my friends were there for uh, 20 days, and what we got to do is we got to go into these uh, refugee camps, um, and there's about 10 in the city, or I mean northern Greece, um, and at each of these camps there'd be about 2,000 refugees. These would be like middle class people like me and you um, who would uh, leave their countries because, um, you know, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, you know, terroristic uh, things, war, um, and they would come to these camps, and they would literally have nothing, um, and they would be homeless in there, and we would walk through these camps, and we would give them clothes, food, water. Um, but as we were doing that, we would go and sit in their tents, and we would be able to tell them about Jesus. Um, and something that just God really taught me um, during my time in northern Greece was that as we walked through these camps and as we uh, talked to people about Jesus, that 1 Corinthians 4 um, was just kind of like my heart cry. It says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Mm. And it was so true that if God was not showing up in every single conversation, if Jesus wasn't doing a miraculous healing, if Jesus wasn't sending his Holy Spirit to convict a heart, if people weren't receiving words from Jesus, prophetic words, then no one was going to know Jesus. He had to show up. Um, and as we would um, go into these camps and have these conversations, he would just show up time and time and again and learn to rely on his power rather than our strength and our eloquence um, was something that really... Um, marked me this summer and marked a lot of our team. Um, I just think of one story in particular. We were, me and my friend Cassidy, we were in a, 
uh, refugee tent, and we were telling these six guys about Jesus, and uh, one had an arm cut off, cut off from ISIS, another, uh, both of his parents were killed by ISIS, one had uh, fled the country alone, and his family was still in Syria, and we're telling them about Jesus, and just the coolest thing happened as we were talking to them, um, we're sitting there, we're finished telling about Jesus, and we go, hey, um, do any of you guys want to follow this with the rest of your lives? Do any one of you guys want to live behind, leave behind Islam uh, and follow Jesus for the rest of your life? And the coolest thing happened, as we asked the question, three of the guys will raise their hand, and three of the guys won't. And as these three guys raise their hand, um, their friends will um, begin to make fun of them and persecute them and say all kinds of things about them. But in that moment, it was so cool. While we would have had all six of those guys raise their hands, it was so cool that three of those guys would raise their hands and say, I'm taking a stand. I'm going to receive this persecution because Jesus is worth it. Um, so it was so cool, just moments like that where Jesus would be constantly showing up. Um, so that was kind of like the outward uh, side of things. Then for me, inwardly, um, you know, you'd think seeing all these miracles, you'd think seeing all these healings, these people coming to Jesus, you'd be just on fire for God. You'd just be like, you know, riled up, you know, just in his presence every day. But for me, it just wasn't like that, you know. I was burdened by insecurity a lot of times. I felt lonely. Um, I felt pride at times. I felt judgment for other people at times. And I just felt like in my flesh, like I just couldn't get out of it, you know. Um, I was like, man, I just, I would be on my knees for hours praying, God, like, save me from this. I don't want to be this person. Um, but it was so cool. God gave me this verse, 2 Corinthians 4. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then it says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So let us fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I really this summer just felt like God telling me that, man, there are places in your life where you are not going to be able to, you know, overcome your flesh, Aiden, but I'm using those places in your life, those struggles, those pains, those burdens to actually achieve for you this eternal glory, this purification of your soul. Um, and man, he is so worthy. He is so faithful. He truly does work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. There's nothing that's out of God's hand. Um, so I don't know if anyone in here has got some burdens today. I know I do. But God's bearing those for you, and he's going to be faithful to use those places in your life uh, to achieve for you this eternal glory. So thank you. Okay. Love it. Thank you, Aiden. You know, there is power in testimony. There really is. There's power in testimony. Revelation 12, 11, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren is overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. They love not their souls unto death. And there's just power. And we need that. We need to hear what God's doing. And not just, you know, disengage the crisis, but it could be all the stories of what He's doing in you and through you right now. And we need to be telling those stories. That's part of my, my burden today is this, that we would get a hold of this thing and be people that are sharing uh, Jesus. You know, uh, I don't know that I see the billboards as much anymore, but I think it's still a tagline for TCU, learning to change the world. And you know, long before TCU had that, that tagline, Jesus said, come, be my disciples, and we're going to change the world, right? And so we want to be all about people. We want to be people that are just following Him and pointing to Him, and sharing Him, and, and what He's done uh, in our lives, and with the world around us, right here in our own community, and with the world around us. And part of this burden to connect these things, this discipleship, being disciples of the church, and the mission, is part of this deal is we've got to see that God is a missionary God. This is 
This is what God actually is. This is who he actually is. It's not just, and he says, okay, now you've got this stuff I want you to do. I've gathered you together. You're kind of together in the church. Now, hey, here's a few assignments for you. No, this flows out of the actual heart and character of God. He is other-focused, agape, love-giving, going to work a mission out of even bringing us from before creation a plan to share His life, love, grace, purpose with us and bring us as adopted sons. I could sing that song just about every week right now. Sons, and We need to hear that. We need to hear that good word. That's who God is. Now, the, the part of the deal we have to subvert a little bit in America is that we've been so saturated with a piece of the gospel that's not the whole gospel. It is that you can go to heaven when you die. That's a wonderful truth. It's awesome good news. You can be forgiven and go to heaven. It's just not the whole good news. We've talked about this a lot, but flash that slide up. Here's what happens. When we, when we just get the gospel as the gospel of my personal salvation, I go into the bubble and soop, I'm, I'm out of here when I die. You know, If that's all we get, then this whole thing that Jesus was calling people to in the gospels, come, follow me. Lay down your life. Give up your preferences and be my disciple then discipleship and life in community, if we believe this other thing, just it, it, life, in, life in the church, then discipleship becomes like an add-on, like a 301, 401 advanced class, you know, that maybe we'll do that, I may not, I'm going through the buffet line, I may or may not pick up discipleship in church life, when it's not an option, okay? It's, this is what God is calling us into. And then like God's plans or his mission to redeem the world, that really becomes like, whoa, that's like a PhD level thing for super, you know, cape flying in the wind, you know, kind of people, right? So this is more the way that that's, that's one way of telling the story. Here's another way of telling the story. And that is that when we trust in Jesus, we are added to the people of God, both Jew and Gentile together in Christ. And this people as a whole have a mission that is non-negotiable. We are a part of a, we're a missionary people, whether we like it or not, and whether you knew it or not. God's a missionary God. We're a missionary people. And so he's called us to share in this uh, wonderful uh, journey of sharing good news. He finishes every gospel Jesus does, go make disciples baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We have this mission. And he starts off the book of Acts. He's, been, uh, he's resurrected. He's talking to them on the last day about to be ascend into heaven. And he shares this word with them. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive power and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So what is a witness? There's a Greek word that we actually know. The Greek word martyr. That's, that's Greek. But it is used as somebody who points to Jesus. Now, we think of martyrs as somebody that points to Jesus and actually gives up their life for Jesus. But it doesn't have to be that. It's somebody that just, it just means a witness. Somebody that points to something. And here's the deal. It's actually a problem. It's the problem is everybody's witnessing to something all the time already. Did you know that? That seemed like news. But... Uh, we're all witnessing to something. It could be, I'm pointing, it's just, what are you pointing to with your life? What are you pointing to? What are you bearing witness to in your life? It could be, you had a killer meal last Wednesday night and it was great and that's okay. But, but there's more to life than 
that great meal, right? It could be I'm bearing witness to the Olympics, right? I've had a lot of people bearing witness. I haven't had a TV during this last little window, and so I've had people bearing witness to me. Uh, they've been, a, they've been uh, martyrs for the Olympics, <laughs> bearing witness to the Olympics. Or it could be recipes. You know, you go on social media, and there's, there's a recipe, and there's... And it, I, I, she shows me some of those. I, I, I see some of those. And it's something real good. But we bear witness. And what I'm saying is, it, it's hard for us, because sometimes those things are kind of lighter, but the reality is, a lot of times what we bear witness to is our own self. Our finger's not really pointed at Jesus, it's pointed at myself, my own fears. I'm witnessing to my fears. I'm witnessing to my anxieties. I'm witnessing to my situation. I'm witnessing to whatever it is that's going on in my life. And it can be, over time, it just becomes like, this is my identity. I am a witness to me. And it becomes a very selfish thing. And so God's calling us to something more than that. And the truth is, you guys, I'm not saying like, Somebody that's really, uh, anybody can slip into that kind of a frame of reference at any time. Because we all go through stuff. We go through junk. And it's hard to stay pointing to Jesus when I'm going through something really hard. And yet, Jesus says, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses starting right here and in expanding circles of concern, share and point to me. And we want to be those people. Here's the main thing today. Jesus is calling us to be disciples who share his life together with the world around us. Okay, so I'm going to three simple points and we'll be done. First of all, that means starting with Jesus. Some of you guys might have thought that that's where I was going with this. And it is absolutely where I'm going. And I'm going to just make this point by talking about two guys named John. Two guys named John. So go to the beginning of John's Gospel and you'll see two guys named John there. One is the Apostle John. And, and I don't know if you know this, but tradition says through Irenaeus that John, the Apostle, was asked by the bishops of Asia. They, they, they all got together and they asked him, would he write down at the end of the first century his version of the Gospel? Okay, so that's how we, he prayed, he fasted, he sought the Lord, and after three days came back and said, I will do it. And this is John's version of the gospel. This is how he starts, you know, you, there's all different kinds of tracks and things, ways we can present the gospel, but John himself starts, and I love this, he starts with Jesus. This is the way we're going to we're we're do this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. That's Jesus. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made, and without Him, nothing was made. That's just like going to cover everything. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. You know, that's everything. And in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And it goes on. It says there, in Him was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So the reason we start with Jesus, there's a reason why we start with Jesus, because he is the light of the world that shines into the midst of our darkness. I can't find God on my own without Jesus. The Pharisees tried to do that. He he told them, he said, you study the scriptures all day long, but you refuse to come to me to see what the scriptures are all about. I am what the scriptures are about. Does this make sense? 
So Jesus is the light shining into the midst of our groping darkness and trying to find meaning and purpose and in the midst of all of our stress and anxieties and I'm nots and we are nots and we're not good enough and insecurities and all that kind of stuff. Jesus shines into the midst of that. And we need that good news to know what end is up, to know, to know where to go. So that's one John. Uh, that's, that's one John. That's one of the Johns. Could have been interpreted as first John, but... Um, uh, so the second John is John the Baptist. And so then he goes like this. John the Apostle says, there was a man sent from God. His name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So our darkness, you guys, is so great. Our need for the light that Jesus Christ brings into our lives is so great that sometimes we can't see it even when he's in front of us, and we need somebody else to go, Jesus Christ is the light. We need to hear that, you know, in the midst of our darkness and our ongoing need to just receive all that God has for us, to have our eyes opened. It's not a one-time thing, okay? Uh, your salvation experience, it's, it's, it, you've been saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. I'm still getting, sometimes I just have crazy thoughts. I go, wow, where did that come from? You know, it's because there's parts of my brain and thinking and emotions that need the light of Jesus shining in them. And not just a one-time experience of that, but in an ongoing way. Okay, so I was in a lunch conversation the other day and uh, just getting to know somebody. And we were having a conversation about uh, just different uh, spiritual influences and authors. Talked about C.S. Lewis and some different things. We were kind of up here. You know, but then all of a sudden we started talking about Jesus. And I mean, that whole conversation changed. It went like or whatever you're, you want to go deeper or higher and grander, whatever the picture is. Just we started talking about Jesus and man, everything changed in that. We talked about Jesus being the revelation of the Father. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of God's glory. I mean, we're just eating Thai food and it's like really good little at, at the table. And starting with Jesus is absolutely huge. That's the way we move forward. That's the way we start the journey. That's how we help each other. That's how we keep going in the journey. It's how we move forward, starting with Jesus. You don't outgrow this. You don't move beyond this. You know, disciples in the church and on mission are always starting with Jesus. He is the one who reveals his relationship with his Father and the power of the Spirit. That is beautiful. And just, you will not get to the end of that. It's a wonderful mystery and awesome. And we are disciples of Jesus. Second thing. So we start with Jesus. And then there's this community thing again. I just want to touch on this. And that's that we grow in community. When we started Christ Fellowship, I was in my late 20s. And uh, seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I was in my late 20s. And we would open the Bible to the book of Acts. Just have a few people in the house and worshiping and praying. And we say, why can't we see church life like we read about right here? 
And that just started getting in our hearts, man. Just like, this was exciting thinking about it and dreaming about it. That kind of community, that kind of power, that kind of salvation, healings, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of it was new to us. We had not, we didn't have somebody going, oh yeah, you need to do this. We just said, hey, why can't we do church like we read about here? And we started reading about, you know, not just kind of there at the start, Acts 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, but like Acts 11, the, the church in Antioch. I thought, man, those guys were cool multinational ethnic church come together, all kinds of diversity, oneness. They were first called Christians at Antioch. A couple chapters later, they're all worshiping one time and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And after further prayer and fasting, they sent those guys out. So like in Jerusalem, everybody got persecuted and then they went out and kind of got some new things going. But in Antioch, they were praying and worshiping and seeking God. And God says, okay, now send these guys out. And like a fire out of Antioch, Paul, Saul then, and Barnabas head out and start planting churches, making disciples. And, you know, the, the Christian movement spreads. And we were like, man, couldn't we do that? Wouldn't that be awesome to have that kind of church life? And, you know, in the beginning, it was, we took ideas like that and said, if, we've got, if I've got the life of God in me, then this life should be being multiplied. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to see this life multiply. In our life groups, if our life group has the life of Jesus in it, it should be giving birth to other life groups. Does this make sense? A crazy concept, right? And then our church, the congregation itself, if we have the life of God in us, then the church should be giving birth and multiplying new churches. And down through the years, we've been able to see 14 new churches get started. You know, the last one, just a family heading out to, uh, to Southeast Asia this summer. Uh, yesterday, it was really crazy. Uh, we were at a, a funeral of a friend that was with us 20 years ago. And uh, I was looking around the room and seeing representatives from five different uh, Christ fellowships down through the years. Just all these people and lives and places where we'd had relationship and uh, just all these, you know, North Richland Hills and Denton and Wichita Falls and uh, just all these different churches. And it, it was exciting. And even having somebody go, you know, I haven't seen you and it's been almost 20 years, but I got to tell you that, that, that us being at Christ Fellowship all those years ago saved our marriage and here we are together and we just want to say thank you. It was encouraging, you know, but that's life together. That's life in community. That's life believing that we're going to see this kind of church life lived out. It's holistic. And I am, uh, I don't know what the right word is, I'm hungry for this, for you college guys. And that is that you would be a part of holistic community. So that when you do the college thing, you're not out and going, okay, now what do I do? I don't know what to do. But as a part of life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church life that's on a mission, then you do this thing and you get out on the other side and you know what to do. You know how to live. You know how to be a part of a life-giving community. Same thing as high school transitions into college. Wherever that's... I did that like it's right at TCU, but you know, may it be so one day. But uh, um, <laughs> I know Graydon will have heart for that, right? Um, we were in the weirdest little meeting the other day, and somebody, a Baylor grad, I'm not going to say who, he said we were... It started getting a little argumentative, not argument, just some playful stuff and this happened, and then this happened, and then somebody said, well, don't you think we'll be praising God like this in heaven? And we're like, Arr. 
<laughs> so uh, back to the outline. <laughs> okay. So uh, this community thing, you guys, when you get it, you get rocked, and you, then you get, you get like, I don't want to do something less than this in the rest of my life. I, I don't. I want to be part, participating in this kind of, I'm ruined for something less. You know, I want to be participating in this kind of church life. I, uh, Emily, uh, so Micah, we've got all this stuff happening with young adults right now. It's really exciting. And, and Emily called the other day and said that somebody had a, just in their life group, they were packed out, had 19 or 20 people, and it was just, they were all on top of each other. And she said, that was great, you know. And, and uh, she said, but then somebody had a need, and, and we prayed about it as a group and decided to try to meet that need. And then she called me the other day, excited. She said, she said after just a couple of days, this was a significant number, but after a couple of days, our life group raised double that amount. She said, Dad, this is church. And I was like, go, girl. It's fun. Uh, I, I was on a text thread with a bunch of the U.S. pastors from Antioch this morning, and, and uh, Jake, Jake Griffin was just thanking us. You guys, he's the pastor of Antioch, Baton Rouge, and uh, just we've done a, a sacrificial gift down there to them. A lot of people have. There's, you know, there will be opportunities if somebody's like, I just want to go camp in a tent and help tear down. Like what they're doing right now, the big need is ripping, uh, is uh, what do you call it, demolition? This, what, gutting houses. I'm not. It's not my specialty. Uh, just those of you who know me, yeah. Um, and so, so, uh, so they're doing that stuff. And Jake's just saying thanks, you guys. This morning, I'm, I'm reading now the text. We are meeting at a parking lot to worship. Uh, we're going to share a couple healing and salvation testimonies from this week in people's homes and at the shelters. And he's preaching on some stuff. And he said. Seriously, thanks for believing and praying. The, we're praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall during worship. I love you guys. Love being a part of this family. And so, again, I'm just I'm trying to emphasize we grow together here and in the larger body. And uh, it's an awesome thing. So last piece. It means growing in community, but also means sharing with others. And this is where it gets practical. Because the kingdom is here, but there are still battles for us to fight. It's like uh, the Allies invaded uh, you know, Europe from Normandy Beach, and the, really the victory was kind of secured there. That's like the cross, but there are still battles that had to be fought for them to secure that final victory, and that's what we do. We, there's things for us to do. There's, there's ways that we press in, and so we receive power from on high so that we can be witnesses for the cause of Jesus Christ and point to Jesus um, and where we learn that it's a, a journey. Um, uh, there's this scale called the Engel scale. It has to do with evangelism. And basically zero is somebody comes to the Lord. But what the, what the guy points out is there's a negative nine, eight, seven, six. And all these are steps along the way of somebody sharing Jesus, of somebody hearing more about Christ, of objections being met, and somebody giving their life to the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. This is the thing we've been talking about. There's being a... Being a fully committed disciple, participating in church life, learning to be a part of the mission, all of those things are just, just huge. And so as a church here, we want to be people that are, when we're going out of here, we're being sent. We gather and we scatter. We gather, we scatter, 
And when we're out, we're sharing Jesus. Just like we're sharing Jesus, what am I preaching to you right now? It's Jesus. And we want that to be the note, the flavor, the aroma, the, the note that's played, you know, that you hear clearly the note of Jesus first and foremost. Um, you know, I remember in my own journey, uh, you know, I was actually in college, had just about to finish college. I was a senior and the wheels of my life just fell off and I got involved in some stuff I didn't need to be involved in. And I quickly just my life started spiraling out of control so much so that I could not see a way out of the bondage that I was in. And I started thinking about ending my own life. And one night as I was thinking that thought, I'm crying my eyes, I'm face down on my pillow at, at, at my parents house. And with my eyes closed, I suddenly see Jesus it's this white robe, gold sash, and he's smiling at me like this. And in my, just in my heart, I said, Jesus, if that's you, you've got to save me because I am so lost. And I, it's like everything came together that night. I met Jesus Christ in a powerful way. It was a, it was a revelation, you know, and so that's what Aiden's talking about. Like, you need the power of God to see. I can stand up here and preach Jesus Christ to you, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to have your eyes open to see the light of the world and it can start now you know and it started then for me I mean it was like wow I'd been around church but I had a revelation of Jesus that changed everything and I here's the thing that story didn't stop for me right there I have continued having a revelation of Jesus Christ that has grown down through the years I want that I need that you need that you need it's it's a desire that God stirs when you get the real thing. He stirs desire for more where you want to know the treasure. You want him to be the treasure that overrides all other treasures in your life, that he is the king. He's the Lord. And there's no idols that compete for allegiance to King Jesus. And uh, yeah, so. Um, when we when we see this and I, I need to wrap this up, but. When we see this, it's like getting on the edge with Jesus, stepping out into the mission is where stuff happens. We've down through the years, we've seen neighborhoods reached like uh, we started a life group one time and like a, a zone ended up coming out of that one life group of just life groups multiplying. We had one point in our life group, we had four baptized households, mom, dad and the kids all in one life group that we'd reached in our just by sharing with our neighbors. Uh, you know, it's when you get on the edge, stuff happens. I have a friend that I was on the phone with this past week named Rick. His daughter's name is Emma. And for three years, she suffered with debilitating migraine headaches. I had prayed with him for her, and she just was crippled. She went to school six days last year. That's it, six days. And she went on a mission trip to Ireland this summer and was out on the edge. And her team gathered around her and prayed for healing for her head. And she was absolutely 100% healed. Like, so she's in school right now. Just and he's going, wow. You know, he's kind of cerebral at the same time. He's like, why didn't God answer the prayer that I prayed? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Kingdom's now and not yet. He heals and sometimes you don't see healing, you know. And so that's the time that we're in. But we want to be people that are pointing as a witness to the light of the world, to Jesus Christ. We want to point to Him with our lives. And my question is, what would happen if a band of believers like this started 
believing that Jesus was the treasure, started worshiping him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords with all our heart, mind, soul, body, strength, and started receiving the Father's love and walking in the fruit and the power of the Holy Spirit, what would that be like? You know, where it was the real deal, where we saw the real, the reality of Christ. And we weren't just saying, go somewhere and do something that we're unwilling to do and live out here in our own midst. We want the to be so marked as a community by the reality of Jesus that it is so natural for us to share, that I cannot help but share, that I would share in the same way I would share about that recipe thing that's quickly made. Or like, hey, have you seen that? Well, hey, have you heard about what Jesus has done in my life? Who He is? What He means to me? He's, the tre- He's rocked my world. He's the best. I, I have no life, no hope, no, no love apart from Him. He is my life, my soul, my very all. And the great thing is, He helps us to live this thing out. He shows us, when we dream big, and we dream about expressing His love and mercy to the nations and to the broken and the poor and the refugees and the disenfranchised and marginalized and all that, and with our own brothers and sisters that we would all get stirred up about. When we dream about that, the good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us empty, hanging, he comes and shows us how to do it. He's, he's shown us over 30 years, how do, how do we do this in our marriage? How do we do this in our family with our kids? You know, and it's, it's trial and error. Nobody does it perfect. There's not some perfect family out there that does that perfectly. It, he shows us how to live it out on the campus. He shows us how to live it out in our workplace. He shows us things to do that are appropriate for that situation and how to shine as a light for Him. And what happens is, when He gets His way in us, we really do change the world. When He gets His way in us, we change the world. And that may not be like, you started the ultimate passion movement that's, that's the ultimate thing, but let me just, let's bring it down a little more focused. And that is, that when He gets His way in your world, you change. You get to be a part of changing your world. It's where you have a say-so. Family, work, school, you know, and... When that happens, that's God's plan for making things right. That's how the kingdom of God comes with power. And this is where this thing lands. Jesus, I can't do this. Apart from You, I'm a broken, needy sinner who needs You. Saved by grace. Love singing Amazing Grace this morning. Saved by grace. Saved by His love. And with You, He can do all things through us, in us, and through us. So let's stand up. Let's respond to the Lord this morning. Uh, worship team, come on up. I get the ministry team to come up as well. Guys, if you're new with us, we do this at the end of every service. We just take a little time to just respond to God. And it could be that God's speaking something to you about pressing into Jesus, or you're wanting, you're getting hungry for the next thing in your in your life or situation. Um, and I just want to say this. A lot of times Jesus used this phrase, and if you have ears to hear, then I want to encourage you. Ears to receive that and to be hungry, to press in, to do something right now in this moment that just says, I want to press into you, Jesus. Now that could be coming up and getting prayer from somebody. We've got some great folks up here help you pray. It could be getting prayer from somebody out there. It could be getting on your knees. It could be, uh, but, but respond in some way. That's, that's what I'm encouraging you to do. 
uh, somebody had a word for me right before we started that today is a day of new beginnings. A day of new beginnings. And so if that's starting the relationship with Jesus, if that's recommitting to the relationship with Jesus, if that's saying, yes, I want to be a follower, whatever that is for you, wherever you're at, we're going to just pause here and just, Lord Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us? Bring that revelation that changes lives, changes attitudes, changes minds, changes hearts, brings repentance, brings faith, stirs us up to say yes. So, Lord Jesus, what is that next step for every person here? Meet us in this moment as we respond to You. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Okay, so guys, put the stake in the ground. You can be shy about this or just say, God, I want You so much. I'm pressing in. I'm coming. I'm running. And go for it. In Jesus' name. He wants us. He wants our whole hearts. He's going to use us to change the world. It starts right here. Lord, meet us in this moment of response to You. However You're leading us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be bold, you guys. Youth, college, adults, be bold. Thank you, Lord.